Thank you, Ramon, for that gracious introduction. It's like being at a home away from home and seeing family and friends again. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, I, I hope and I pray that most of the folks have no cooking clue what I'm going to be speaking about this morning. Because I'm going to pray a particular prayer and I'm going to encourage you to pray with me. Which I'm concerned that if you knew what I'd be speaking about, you wouldn't want to pray this prayer. Are you okay with that? So, how many of you don't have any idea what I'm going to be speaking about this morning at all? Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So, for those folks that have raised their hands and the folks that do know, let's just pray together. Lord, as we're praying outside, you just gave us a picture, picture of a stream and a river that flows and it's flowing strongly and it's flowing well and like any massive water that flows, there's bits of debris and logs and trees and grass on the side that just gets taken up in the flow of the stream. And it's like that this morning, God. I've, I've got nothing clever to say. I do not have a, a sermon to preach or, or things to tell your people because I'll just be like a boulder in a way and just disrupt the flow of that water and just mess things up. And you are speaking you are flowing with life. You're flowing with power. You're flowing with love. You're flowing with change and deliverance and change and deliverance and, and bringing provision supernaturally for people, Lord God. And you're just being you. So this morning, we want to tap into your flow of what you're already doing by your spirit, Lord. And for every heart, Lord God, that's here this morning. Some people are standing. Most folks are sitting. But we bow our hearts before you and we say, God, have your way in our hearts this morning. We're here to meet with you, Jesus, not to play church and not to see people, but to have an encounter with the living God. So meet with us, Lord, in the name of Jesus, as we open up our hearts and our minds and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, Lord. Thank you that this morning, because of time spent with you, at your table that you've prepared before us in the presence of our enemies, we will come to know you more, Lord God, and be more like Jesus than before we came here this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Turn to somebody next to you and say, God's going to speak to you this morning. Hallelujah. God has demonstrated his love to mankind in the most profound way ever. We speak about the fact that Jesus came and died and rose again, but I think we miss the way in which God did it. God demonstrated his love to the world by giving. By giving. He gave Jesus. Scripture says in John 3.16, we know it well, for God so loved the world that he came and told us what to do. No, he so loved the world that he gave his only son. God chose giving as a means to express his love to people. So it's my privilege this morning to talk about, you've guessed it, giving. And I bring it a little bit closer to home. Finances and money. Yay, there's three people that are excited about that. Hallelujah. Now, once you've gotten over the initial shock, and the, oh, elders, no, you, you here this morning. I nearly tripped, okay, that wasn't a dance, I nearly slipped there. I'm going to get my traction now. But I don't want to say I'm going to speak about money, because I think that's the problem with the Church of Jesus Christ today. That's why it's less than, I don't know what the percentage is of, that of Christians that worship the Lord with their finances because we're told to give of our finances instead of being taught to worship with our wealth. There's a profound difference, ladies and gentlemen. So this morning, by the help of God, I'm not going to speak about giving of our finances. God's going to teach us to worship with our wealth. There's a profound difference in that. And that's the difference this morning. So don't think of this as going to talk about giving again. And if you're visiting this church for the first time, please come back again next week because I won't be here. And they're not going to be talking about money again. So there's this guy, he gets exposed to the teachings of finances and money and stuff like that. And he's like, that's it. He's going to give and he's going to worship and he's going to sow and he's going to tithe and he's going to bring his free will offerings. So he decides to take all the money that he's got and it's coins and it's notes and it's all sorts of things. And he decides he's going to throw this up into the air and give it to the Lord. And he says to, he says to himself, 
What stays up there belongs to God. What comes down is mine. Don't be like that this morning. Open up your heart and your mind to what God has to say this morning. Is that okay, church? All right, here we go. That was an introduction. Let's start. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse from the New Living Translation so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I'll pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Why is this the only area in scripture where God challenges us to put him to the test and not other spiritual things like the other gifts of healing and miracles and signs and wonders? Why when it comes to financial matters? I submit this thought to you because if we can learn to trust God and believe him for things that we can touch and feel and smell and hear and taste, physical, tangible things, it will become easier for us to believe God for the supernatural and the impossible that we cannot see. But it starts with stuff that we can touch and see. That's why he says, try me now and test me. So if you're sitting here and hearing this, God's saying, I want you to test me and see if I'm not going to be the God of the Bible that I said I am. You see, because I'm not who you think I am. I am who I say I am, says the Lord. And he's this God that can do these supernatural things for us. God's instructions for giving and tithing is twofold. It served a twofold purpose, and I seldom hear this, to, hear this taught. First and foremost, God's instructions for giving in financial matters is not so that He can get something out of you, but so that He can bless you. That's God's purpose in the principles and the teachings on financial matters and tithings. It's not to get something from you, but to bless you richly and indeed, because there's certain principles and spiritual Laws that are in place that can only be changed when we honor God in this way. So his purpose in saying, bring all the tithes into the storehouse is not to get money from you, but so that he can bless you and bless you indeed. And I'm going to give you scriptural proof of that. In Luke 36, 38, it says, given it shall be given to you. There's his purpose revealed. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. And it's only in the New King James that it says it like this. It says, shall men give into your bosom? Who will put it into your bosom? Men. How many of you have a money tree growing in your backyard? How many of you, I've only heard one person share this testimony, Marnie and Minnie for Nikak. They were sitting down and they sowed their last and they were trusting God for a miracle and literally a note fell out of the sky. Literally, literally fell out of the sky. But that's the exception rather than the rule. Can you say amen? So it's not going to fall out of the sky. God moves by his spirit and touches people's hearts and lays on their hearts and tells you to give and tells other people to give to you. So he uses men. The King James says, shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that ye meet, what shall it be measured to you again? Basically, the same measure you use will be used to measure to you. So what's the word of God saying to us? That God is going to use people to bring about financial miracles in the lives of other people. Men and women that decide to worship God with their wealth and not think that, you know, they're giving of their finances. So his purpose in teaching us these financial principles is to bless us. That's the purpose, folks. It's because God loves you. No, let me try in another language. It's because he loves you. That's why he taught us these, these financial principles. He loves you and he wants to bless you. He started giving and he wants to continue giving. Imagine this. He makes everything. And he says, let them, that's us, have dominion over the work of my hands. Let them have dominion over the work of my hands. He makes everything beautiful. And he makes everything and he sees that it's good. And he, and he gives it to us and he says, have at it, my children. That's why he gave us these things, because he loves us. So this morning, please don't think that God or me or this church or anybody is asking for your money. Because the scripture says that the earth is the Lord's and all that is therein. It's God's anyway. We're just called to be stewards of it, to, to manage it for him. So that one day we can say, Lord, you gave me this and this is what I've done with it. Here it is, Lord. And I honor you with my life by worshiping you with my finances. I said his purposes for his teachings on finances was twofold. It's to bless us. And second of all, 
so that we would never, ever, ever forget who He is and that He is our source. His purpose is to bless you beyond measure. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 to 8 says, So let each one give us his purposes in his heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 to 8. If you're taking notes, I'll go a bit fast, but you'll just have to get the recording. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make, listen to this, this is where the language gets exciting. He's able to make all grace. How much grace? All grace abound to you, that you always, having all, all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance. I love that. Always, all sufficiency in all things, abundance. And folks, can you see, there's nothing lacking. There's nothing missing. That's God's intended purpose for these principles on tithing and giving and sowing, folks, so that we have an abundant blessing in our lives. The NLT says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. No pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Here's the challenge. If I'm experiencing lack in my life, chances are that there's a condition in my heart that I've not yet allowed God to touch because the problem is not with God and his word the challenge is with me because this is true of my heart if I'm giving cheerfully and worshiping it says I'll have all sufficiency in all things and abundance for every good work don't raise your hands now but how many of you are experiencing some form of financial lack in your life if you have to sit 10 Christians down in a row and ask them, don't think of something spiritual. Just whatever comes up in your heart when I pose this question to you. What is your dream and your desire and your greatest aspiration? And they'll tell it to you. Chances are that the majority of them, their dream will be restricted by one common factor. Bucks. Finances. Why is that? Why is that? Something's missing in our hearts. Something has yet to change in our lives. The second reason I said is that God gave us these financial principles and guidelines and rules and regulations, not rules, but guidelines and admonitions is to always remember that he is our source. Once again, the motive is love. He gave us these things because he has the gist of it. He said to the people, guys, you've been in bondage and slavery for all these years. You're going into a place where the milk and honey flows. It's just prosperity. And I know you. I, I put you together. I know the frailty of the human heart. I know that your frames are but dust and man in his best state is a vapor. I know how you are. So I know it's going to be easy for you to become distracted and I lack everything in this, is in this place and you're going to lose sight of me. And because of that, there's this tool, there's this implement, there's a strategy that I have to help you always remember that I am your source, that I am the one who enabled you to get out of bondage and in this place where you're a slave into this place of a life of abundance. And because of this, I'm going to give you this tool and this instrument to teach you not to do that. And it's the principles of tithing. In Deuteronomy 14 and verse 23, he says, And you shall eat before the Lord your God. We like doing that, eh? We shall eat, yeah. We shall eat before the Lord our God, your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil are the firstborn of your herds and your flocks, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. That's his purpose. There's the purpose. This is what you're going to do before me. You're going to bring all of this stuff so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. Folks, that's God's motive. That's his love. So I don't know what you've been taught about finances or money in the past before, but God's motive in teaching us these things is not to get something from you, but because he loves you and he wants to bless you and he doesn't want you to fall victim to the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. So my brother, my sister, if still now, I don't know, seven odd minutes into the preaching and you, you're battling to get your head around this finance thing, open your heart up to what God wants to say to you this morning. Your life will never, never be the same again. God will change your life forever. How many South Africans across racial divides and social backgrounds and spiritual beliefs are experiencing this financial heaviness in general and an uncertainty for the future, wouldn't you like to come out from under that? Anybody? 
Yo, anybody, come on, speak to me. Wouldn't you like to come out from there, wake up in the morning and not have a care, go through the whole day at business, whether you employ people or you are employed or unemployed or you're looking for whack or whatever it is. Wouldn't you like to come out from under that cloud? Now, this financial effort, I'm not sure if I'm going to able to make ends meet. I'm not sure if I'm going to have enough. I'd like to live out from under that cloud. I'd like to experience the abundant life that we sang about this morning, that Jesus died for me to have an experience, including in the area of my finances. I'm sure there's somebody that shares that sentiment sentiment with me this morning, church. Hallelujah. That's why God gave us these things, not to get something from us. It's always been love. Ask yourself, it's, it's not a law thing. It's not a legalism thing. The concept and the principle of tithing was evidenced in the scripture. 430 years before the law was given to Moses, God gave, God gave Abraham victory over his enemies. And to appreciate that, Abraham gave a tenth of his possessions to the priest Melchizedek. And it's eternal priesthood. It's a type and a shadow of the priesthood of Jesus. We don't know the, the, the family tree of Melchizedek, and it's like that with Jesus. And Abraham does to say, thank you, Lord. I'm going to worship you like this, God. I'm grateful for the victory. I'm grateful that I'm not under the bondage of an enemy. I'm grateful that I'm free and I'm liber- liberated. So what am I going to do? I'm going to worship you like this. And he does it with a tithe. I'm just going to give you the scripture references. We're not going to read it. Genesis 14 verse 20 and Genesis 26 5. You can study it in your own time. Now, here's the challenge with this thing. The godly habits of attending church regularly and praying and Bible reading and tithe can quickly degenerate into legalism. It can. But it doesn't make them any less legitimate than they are. Think about that. It can become a legal thing. Oh, that oak at church. There's some importer oak from the vault to come talk about bucks. Who durfeller? Yes, you know. I don't even know this oak, and he's coming asking for my bucks. Yes, and I thought church was supposed to be fun. All right, here comes the helmet. Let me call something in. But us, we joke with the people. We tell them, "Ons only van die geld wat maak dat die helmets raas nie. The money must land soft and quietly. <laughs> it must make a noise when you put it in. Unless it's a kind of a, it's like rolled up with elastic band and goes thump. Different. Put it in, put it in. Hallelujah. It can degenerate into legalism. All these things, but it doesn't make it any less legitimate. If money matters become law to you, it doesn't make it less legitimate. God still wants us to do it, to honor Him. Now, here's the deal just a little bit of teaching. Are you okay with this, church? Are you, is everybody still with me? Hallelujah. There were three kinds of tithes in the scripture. Now, tithe, you wonder, what is a tithe? Well, does wanneer ek my tip gooi wanneer die helmet omkom? No, that's not your tithe. You might put your tithe in the helmet. But a tithe speaks about a tenth, one-tenth portion. So if I have a thousand rand, what is 10% of that? What is a tenth of it? hundred rand. And we know God wants us to honor him with his tithes, right? So of that hundred rand, how much is God's? It's not a trick question. Shall I make the amount less, less, less zeros? Then it's easier to calculate. Some folks would say, no, well, a hundred bucks is, is, is God's. Most of you I heard you murmuring, it's all, it's all God's. But all he wants us to do to show our trust in him is to return to him his 10%. That's where the word tithe comes from. It is a tenth. Are we clear on that? It is a tenth. That's 10%. So you can't like give, uh, no, I'm tithing 2% of my income. That's not a tithe. That's a, a, I don't know. It's a, I don't know what you say. It's a tooth. I don't know. It's being silly, yeah. But that's a, there were three kinds of tithes, all right? There was the Levite tithe. The tithe for the Levites and the, the staff of the temple. Let's bring it back forward 2019 years odd the pastoral staff of midrand bikers church yes that's what the tithes are for that's the order in which it was put in the scripture i didn't write it god said it i'm preaching it there was a tithe for the levites the staff of the temple running of the temple it's a you okay i'm this is, uh, there's a whole series, we did this for about seven or eight weeks, and I'm trying to condense it into 30 minutes introduction and 30 minutes body and 30 minutes conclusion. No, just, just kidding. 
Relax, relax. You can go and pitch tents and Brian and watch TV and also the superbike racing and all that. Trying to condense it. So that was the tithe. So there was the Levi tithe. Then there was the festival tithe. They had an annual festival and a tithe was used for that. Make sure that they have one hangs a party. That was the tithe. And then there was the tithe for the poor, the widows and the orphans that was taken up every three years. So with three tithes, you combine that together, the average giving was 23%. Ladies and gentlemen, but there's what? But wait, there's more. If you call now, you'll see that God required even more. Not actually. 23%. And the majority of the church of Jesus Christ today is sickling with, with just a 10. The percentage of the church of Jesus Christ that ties worldwide, I think it's, it's less, than, less than 20%. How much? 3%. So how much worshiping with our wealth is actually taking place? So that was tithes. I'll give you the scripture references. Numbers uh, 18, 21, and verse 24. Deuteronomy 12, 17, and 18. I'm, I'm giving you this if you're taking notes as well as for the recording. And then Deuteronomy 14, uh, 23, and Deuteronomy 14, 28 to 29. Deuteronomy 26, 12 to 13. So we see three kinds of tithes. And then there was the first fruits principle. The first fruits principle. So people say, well, you know, sh should I give before deductions or should I give after deductions? Should I give on, on the gross or should I give on the net? Well, you choose from where you want your blessing to come. How does that sound? You choose where you want your blessing to come. The principle is this. God gave a first fruits principle. In other words, trust me first. Don't see what's left over because then it doesn't require faith. If you have enough left over to honor God with these tithes, then it doesn't require faith. But if your income is so much and your expenditure and outcome is so much, it's going to require faith to bridge that gap, church. And that's where the supernatural kicks in. That's when we place it into God's hands and he does the impossible. Met ons rands and cents, our monopoly money. That's what he does. So he asks for first, first fruits principle. He wants the first of everything. He's not an afterthought. He doesn't want to be anybody's mistress, including with the finances. The first fruits principle. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions. I remember years ago, I used to have this little a Christian sticker on my bumper and like, like that fish, symbolizing you're a Christian. And then it became, I became um, profoundly aware of how I drive. So I took all that Christian stuff off. And I thought, well, how do I honor the Lord with my possessions? Oh, well, look after it, keep it clean, and um, make sure it's serviced and stuff like that. So honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Businessmen have this challenge. Say, Mozzie, what do, what are our tithe? Well, it's not turnover. It's increase. It's profit. It's increase. You tithe and return to God your increase, not your turnover, because that turnover is not your profit. Tithe on the first fruits of all your increase. So what? So that your bonds will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. You choose where you want to receive your blessing. From the leftovers or from the gross. Then, when I got to the Vault Triangle a couple of years ago, and it's never been the same since then, neither am I. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. I heard people say, they say, Jere, um, sien elke persoon wat gegeet vir ochend, en sien ook die wat niks het om te gee nie. And I thought, okay, that, that's cool. Until I learned, the scripture says, God says, let nobody, you know what nobody means in the deep Hebrew? It means nobody. It means nobody. Let nobody appear before me empty-handed. That means, according to God, according to God, not our opinion and our thoughts, Everybody has something to give. In 2014, we did 8,000-odd case to Tanzania and, and back and stuff like that, and we see the poorest of the poorest of the poor. But you know what they all had? Cell phones. Folks, if you've got a cell phone, you've got something to give. Even if it's just sending God a, a please call me to tell him that you love him, you've got something to give. You've got something to give. That's why God said, let nobody appear before me empty-handed. So you can't say, You've got something to give. Everybody 
has something to give. Even if it's of yourself. I once ministered to a guy's life's changed forever. They started tithing and they're flourishing today. He's got a business. His wife's got a business. And they didn't have two pennies to rub together. I said, guys, I'm going to speak something into your life. But I'm telling you now that if you don't apply this, you no longer have an excuse. Because this will change your life together forever. And they did. And they started tithing, etc. It's never been the same. But he said to me, Mozzie, I've literally got, I've physically got nothing to give. But I've got time. So I want to serve somehow, somewhere, and be a blessing in somebody's life. And he started doing that. And he trusted God that when he worked, he'd get a little bit of bucks, then he'd have something to give. Can you say amen? So everybody has something to give. Exodus 23 and verse 15, the NLT says, No one may appear before me without an offering. No one. Here's the deal. People say this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving my tithes to God. Well, you can't. Uh, man, may I? Relax, remain calm. I'm, I'm a man of peace. Are these yours? How can I give this to you? No, I can't give it to you because it's already yours. I cannot give you what is yours. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like that with God. How can you give to God what always has been His and always will be? You can't give your tithes to God. It's not yours. Some of you are not happy with me at all. I couldn't care less. You can't give to God what's His. You can't give your tithe to God. It's His. I'll prove it to you from the scripture. So I teach our people there, you're returning God's tithe to Him. That's what you're doing. You're returning God. Where do you pay your tithe? You can't pay your tithe. It's not yours, man. You're returning God's tithe to him. So tithing is not true giving. Tithing is not true giving. We're gonna this is just part A. Part B is how to give. Tithing is not giving. We cannot give God what has always been his. We can't pay our tithes. We simply return God's tithe to him. Leviticus 27 and verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Why is it that it speaks in Malachi 3 about the curse, the curse, the curse? And people are spoken into a place where they're tired because they want the curse broken in their finances. Why is it cursed? See, God has this thing that if you take something that doesn't belong to you, you, you switch on and engage a curse. How much more so when you take what is God's? You said, does God curse you? God curses some things. Check it out in the scripture. He sent out lying, deceiving spirits to some people who didn't want to hear the truth and didn't love the truth. God does things like that. That's why there's a curse on finances. Because people are stealing from God. Yeah, I, I, just to share a practical example, I... Folks, there's no scriptural or biblical obligation on people to reward slothfulness or people that refuse to work. How many of you would willingly, don't put up your hand because we're watching you, willingly and voluntarily support a, a syndicate of hijackers or bank robbers or thieves? How many would willingly support that? You wouldn't, eh? Hey? Okay. Some of you are like, yeah, I would, yeah. So, so wh why would you willingly support somebody that willfully, continuously, deliberately steals from God? And yet we do it. People have been taught financial principles. They've been taught, and yet they choose to continuously steal from God. Do we have any scriptural or biblical responsibility to continue to support such a person, folks? Mm, me thinketh not. But moving right along. Uh, all the tithes belong to the Lord anyway. So what is true giving then? That's what the scripture speaks about. Free will offerings. Free will offerings is true giving. If you've got a Bible study program or a concordance, just put in the word free will offerings and see how many scripture references are kicked out of that. But I'm just going to share a few with you this morning. Some free will offerings, places where stuff needed to be rebuilt, the wall and the city, in Ezra 1 and verse 4, and it says, and whoever, and whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the free will offerings for the house of God, 
which is in Jerusalem. Verse 6 of Ezra 1, it says, And all those who were around them encouraged them with the articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with the precious things, besides all that was willingly offered. 1 Chronicles 29.9 And then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly. So free will offerings is where you say, okay, I've returned to God what is his. It's his tithe. Now with what's left is I'm going to choose to sow here. I'm going to sow there. I'm going to support this building fund. I'm going to do that. I'm going to help this project, this charity. That's free will offerings. That's true giving. So this morning, how does your giving look? Um, where's God's tithe? It's still in your pocket, your bank account, and in your bank balance? Or has it been returned to him? Tithing is a test of obedience. Free will offerings are a test of love from a heart of worship. Huge difference. Say that again. Tithing is a test of obedience. Free will offerings is a test of love from a heart of worship. Jesus comes along and raises the standard of everything taught in the whole testament. Certain principles and rules and laws were given in the Old Testament. Jesus came and raised the standard up of everything in the New Testament, including that of giving. People say, well, tithing is only Old Testament. It's not taught in the New Testament, and we don't even know that Jesus did it wrong. I proved to you from Scripture this morning that he did. He raised the standard. We see that in Matthew 5, 17 to 20. He says, I didn't come to abolish anything in the law. I came to fulfill all of it. It was told, you shall not commit adultery. Jesus said, even if you look at a woman's snarks, you've committed it in your heart. It was said, you shall not murder. Jesus said, even if you call somebody you fool with anger and hatred in your heart, you've committed murder in your heart. It was a heart issue. How much more so when it comes to giving? They were given a law. Do this because you're going to lose sight of me, and this is what's going to happen if you don't. And Jesus is like, guys, your heart mustn't be at that place anyway. You see, the question is this. Not should or shouldn't I be tithing, but how much of what's left are you going to keep to yourself? That's the question. It's not a question of should I tithe, but how much of what's left dare I keep for myself? Jesus raises the standard. Listen to the statement. As the law, thou shalt not, and the law of sin and death, as the law was a tutor to lead us to Christ, so tithing is a tutor to lead us to true giving. Beautiful, isn't it? The law was written to make us aware of sin so that we'd realize our need for repentance and the saving grace of a loving God. So the law was a tutor to lead us to Christ. Tithing is a tutor or a teacher to lead us to true giving. Jesus was accused of many things. Every, they accused him of everything. You don't see one single account in Scripture where Jesus is accused of not tithing. Interesting, isn't it? They never accused him of not tithing. The Talmud, it's a system of Jewish rules and regulations, required that those who followed the law strictly were not even allowed to sit at a table with somebody who didn't tithe. And we see the Pharisees sat with Jesus and ate with him many times. It is clear from Scripture that Jesus tithed. He even taught them that it's fine and correct to tithe. He taught them. He says, you tithe in all these things and these things you should have done. So Jesus most certainly definitely tithed. We tithe in the storehouse. The scripture says bring, bring the tithes into the storehouse. What is the storehouse? Modern context, it's the local church where you receive your spiritual food. How many of you are getting spiritual food at this house of faith on a regular basis? And the rest? Then you need to catch a wake up. If you're getting spiritual food on a regular basis at this house of faith, this is the storehouse, folks. That's the principle. It's not old age homes. That's where your free will offering goes. It's okay in Scripture, and it's, it's correct with God to look after the pastoral staff. My wife agrees, because she's pastoral staff. But is there anybody else with faith in this house? It is scriptural to look after Ramon and Natalie 
and the assistant pastors, Vanner and Lynette. It's scriptural to do that. People say, I wonder what they're doing with my money at that church. Well, here's the thing. As soon as you've returned it to God, it's not yours anymore. It's not yours. It's between them and God what happens to it afterwards. You're responsible for your obedience. They're responsible for their obedience and accountability for God. Come on and say amen this morning, man. That's, that's how it works. What are they doing? What are they doing? Is he out in this knee? Is he out in man? You've returned it to God. It's now in his hands. You can do as much about it as your breath that's just left your mouth a moment ago, if you're still breathing. <laughs> Don't hold your breath. It's not yours. It's okay to look after God's staff. Here's the scriptures. 1 Timothy 5, 17 to 18 from the NLT. Are you somebody learning something this morning? Elders who do their work well should be respected. I love this translation. I'm going to say it again. This is from the New Living Translation, the second edition. Got it? Get it? Good. Elders who do their work well, present company included, should be respected and paid well. That was a half-hearted, wishy-washy, spineless, yellow-livered, amen. They should be paid well. Like him, love him, hate him. Jesse DePlantis teaches he wants to pay his staff top salaries. Why must the world set the standard? Why do churches go and do all these surveys from people in the world to see what pastoral staff should be paid? Why do we do it like that? Shouldn't we be setting the standard in the world, ladies and gentlemen? We should be setting the standard. God's people are his best. Pay them the best that you possibly can. Don't say, oh, well, the world does this, so we'll come in a few percentage, a little percentages below that, Nochal. Dear Lord Jesus, God forbid. They must be paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. Can you see how hard I'm preaching? <laughs> especially, those <laughs> especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place it says, those who work deserve their pay. Listen to the message. Give a bonus. Give a bonus. That means come Christmas time, when you get your bonus there or in the middle, give a bonus, tithe on that bonus. The staff would also like a bonus. They'd also like to, well, I don't like Christmas trees, but I'd like to unwrap something. Come on, man. Give a bonus to leaders who do a good job, especially the ones who work hard at preaching and teaching. The scripture tells us, don't muzzle the ox, wada, wada, wada. Give a bonus. Galatians 6, 6. It says, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. I'm bringing this thing to a close. I didn't say when. He's coming to a close. <laughs> People say, I tithe where I'm led. Only if you're led, you probably got lead in your head. And not listening to the Lord. Because God clearly says the tithes must come to the storehouse. You see, how many of you feed your pie hole at Wimpy and pay its tears? <laughs> if you eat at Wimpy, you pay at Wimpy. If you eat at tears, you pay at tears. If you receive spiritual food, Max, get your mind out of steers and wimpy. <laughs> if you receive your spiritual food at Bikers Church Midrand, you honor God, you worship God with your finances, you return God's tithe to him through Bikers Church Midrand. That's what you do. That's what's right in God's eyes. You can't tithe where I'm led. People say, okay, well, there's this tithe, so some of that 10% goes to this church, some of that 10% goes to that church, some, okay? So, say, so, well, it's, it's, all, it's, it's all the body, Mozzie, and it's all part of the kingdom, hallelujah, okay? 
you go, you go, folks, get serious now, man. You say it's all part of the body and it's all part of the kingdom. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. So let's give Ramon the benefit of the doubt that he's giving his absolute best to the body. Can we do that? So why aren't you giving your absolute best then? If they're giving their best, why can't you give your best here? Instead of a drips and drabs there, drips and drabs here, drips and drabs there. The other thing is this. If you've taken up membership at this church, or maybe you haven't signed the papers or whatever, but you come here and in your heart, you're a member of this body. That means you become part of this family. Is it okay to say that, church? So what about your loyalty, dedication, commitment to your family? What about your loyalty, dedication, commitment to your family here with the finances? Instead of drips and drabs here, drips and drabs there. Get your heart right. Ladies and gentlemen, I say this as lovingly as I possibly can by the grace of God. If you have a battle and a struggle and something wrong in your head with this financial issue, something needs to change in your heart. Something needs to change in your heart. You need to let God do a work in your heart where you can just worship him freely like this and say, Lord, I'm doing this because I love you, Lord, and I want to honor you, not because some oak has told us that it's the right thing to do according to your word. This is what we need to do. Take care of those who take care of God's body. If you're tithing into other ministries, your pastor is giving you his best. Shouldn't you be giving your best? Closing thoughts, it's not a question of should I tithe, but rather how much am I willing to keep? Last scripture and I'm done. Matthew six nineteen to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also my prayer this morning is the spirit of god speaks to us and as the worship team comes up and i'll hand over to ramon to close and maybe you're sitting there and you, you think you know Lord, my whole life is a mess i i don't understand any of this stuff let's just start with jesus shall we i started off this morning by saying that these things that god taught he he taught us so that he can show his love for us and because he wants to bless you God so loved the world that he gave. He gave us Jesus. Maybe you have no glimpse of a hope and a future because of where you're at in your life. There's a solution to that, and his name is Jesus. It's not a religion. It's a relationship, and it's one prayer of faith away. My brother, my sister, friend, if you're here this morning, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. My encouragement to you is not take up religion, not join a church, not strive for a patch, but get to a place in your life where you say, God, I, I want to experience this Jesus. I want to know this Jesus that the people have sang about this morning. And this Jesus has taught us financial principles that can set you free forever. He can do a supernatural work in your life, in your, in your soul, in your spirit, in your body, with your finances and have you changed forever. If you just give him a chance, if you just dare to trust him. You see, Jesus died on the cross before anybody committed to following him. And here's the theological truth. Jesus died before anybody was born again. They were only born again after they believed in his death and resurrection. And he still died. I love that song, Reckless Love. When I was your enemy, still your love fought for me. And right now there's a God who's fighting for your heart, fighting for your love. And his name is Jesus. And it's great that he came and died. But he's risen. He's alive. And he's coming again. And he's present here this morning by his spirit to change your life forever. In your soul, your spirit, your finances, your body, wherever you need a breakthrough. And if you see that you this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you know him and you've heard of him. But that intimate connection where it's real for you you don't have that this morning and you'd really really like that i'd love to pray with you so right there where you seated 
Forget about the person next to you. Maybe you're holding the hand of somebody or forget about what happens afterwards. Folks, please just lean forward in your heart and in your mind. And if you want intimacy with Jesus, where he's real to you, where you sense the voice of God speaking to you and you see his hand working in your life and you want that right there where you're seated, I want you to pray in your heart. If it helps you focus on Jesus by closing your eyes and bowing your head, do that. If you want to look up, then do that or whatever. Just focus on God for these next few moments. This is the most important time of the service this morning. You can forget everything I've said, but don't forget this Jesus this morning that wants to come and love you and live his life through you so that your life can flourish. You want this intimacy with Jesus, just pray with me in your heart as you say, God, I don't even know if you're real this morning, but I'm hoping that you are. I heard of this person called your son Jesus who died for me and shed his blood and rose again and went through that, the pain and the suffering at the hands of men so that I can be saved. I'm going to take a chance this morning, Lord God, and I'm going to choose to believe you, Jesus. With my mouth I say that you are God's son and you are Lord. And with my heart, I believe it. And I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me clean. Your blood is shed so that I can ask and pray like this. Wash me clean. Remove my sins away from me. Deal with my past. Forgive me, God. Forgive me, Jesus. As I'm seated here, Lord, I ask you by your spirit, Come take control of my life. Jesus, you're the Savior of the world. I want you to be Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you that I can become a child of yours. And I pray now, Lord God, I make a commitment to you, not to a church or to a person or to an organization. I make a commitment to you that this morning's prayer means something to me. I'm serious about this, God, and I ask you to help me for all the days of my life to live for you as you give me the strength by your spirit to glorify you with my life in Jesus' name. Amen. If you see it here this morning, I just feel prompted in my spirit to pray again. If you trust in God for financial breakthrough, folks, the fact of the matter is, is that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one, including finances and you want the supernatural to take place in your financial life if you want to have so much that you've got double measure pressed down shake it together and overflowing how many of us have gotten to a point in our lives where we said god please stop the blessings i've got too much i have nowhere else left to place these blessings how many of us have said that if you want to break through there and you want your finances taken from the natural degeneration that's upon it be made supernatural you're trusting God for a breakthrough somehow somewhere and maybe you're already worshiping God with your finances but you're trusting God Lord show me an area specifically not to scatter seed but to prayerfully sow if you're in any one of those categories this morning I'd love to pray with you and father as people sit before you as we've heard this morning lord regardless of what we think feel or believe your word is true and as heaven and earth passes away your word endures forever so we listen to what you have said this morning lord that you will do the supernatural with our finances if we trust you and for those who have never trusted you lord god and never understood these things before i pray holy spirit that you will continue to teach this to their hearts that their lives are changed forever, that they worship you with the finances you've entrusted them with, that they return your tithes to you. I thank you for supernatural breakthrough for the employed, to the employers, to the employees, to the unemployed, to the business people, Lord God, to the housewives that are doing their best to make a budget meet, Lord God. For the single income earners, Lord God, that are trying to raise a family on a single income, Lord God, do the supernatural in their lives in the name of Jesus. This morning, Lord, as men and women of faith 
put you to the test. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to prove yourself true and a God who honors his word above his name. And there's going to be financial breakthrough and supernatural release for people this morning in the name of Jesus, where people are owed money rightfully due to him due to them we call it in in the name of jesus christ and lord this is not happy clappy charismatic preaching to call on bucks lord this is stuff that belongs to your people we tell you enemy you have no right to touch that which belongs to god it is sanctified and set apart for his purposes through his people we declare lord god a fulfillment of the scripture which says that the wealth of the unjust is stored for the righteous lord that your people will be the one the ones who lend to others Lord God we will not need to lend from others Lord God that people will rejoice in the abundance that you supply to them for the establishment of your kingdom and your purposes on this earth Lord in the name of Jesus I pray for the businessmen Lord God as Jesus said didn't you know I'd be about my father's business give them supernatural favor Lord God and creativity in business deals that where they will go they'll see goodness and mercy following them and your favor bursting forth in their lives in the name of Jesus Christ Lord and Lord I pray for every one of us that which we already have may we found be found to be faithful stewards of what you've entrusted to us Lord and then I pray for this church, Lord. I pray for the finances of this place, Lord. And I declare in the name of Jesus, because you are who you are, that Bikers Church Midrand will never suffer financial lack again in the name of Jesus Christ. We say Bikers Church Midrand will never suffer financial lack again in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that every word that you've spoken will bear fruit in our heart and in our lives to the praise and glory of the Father. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Would you stand with us, church, please, one more time as we worship the Lord together. And while the worship is going, I want to ask you, I want to make an appeal. Please, 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 please. Would you be bold enough to, if you raised up your hand and you prayed and you asked for intimacy with Jesus, please come forward. A counselor and a, a brother or a sister, not an expert or a, a, a fundi at anything, would love to pray with you. We're not going to pray for you or give you some magic solution or a, a, a quick, quick fix. We just want to pray with you. If you've prayed this morning when we prayed, when you were seated, for intimacy with Jesus, please come forward as we're worshipping together. The worship's going to continue soft enough in the background please come forward somebody will meet you here in front to pray with you and if you're trusting god for a breakthrough in the area of finances and you just want to declare your faith this morning with somebody and say i'm trusting god for this we two or more on earth agree concerning anything it will be done for them by our father in heaven please come forward we'd love to pray with you this morning before you go home the rest of you please feel free to stay afterwards for some fellowship um, remember, a uh, stranger is just a friend that you've not yet met. Thank you for coming. God bless you. We love and appreciate you. Let's worship the Lord together one more time. Thank you, Duncan.